I felt like I always had to be the strong one in my family. Like, I didn't want people to see when I cried, like, whether it was on my sports teams, in my family. I just, I just wanted myself to be portrayed as that strong, confident girl, never saw, never had anyone see her cry, nothing like that. So that's what I did. And I mean, and people always thought that I was strong and confident. And I would definitely say that I, I was strong and confident, but I also would hide my emotions and not let people in because I didn't want to get hurt or I didn't want them to see my true feelings or I didn't want them to see that what they said or what they did really bothered me. And so when I was younger, if I ever cried, I always found myself crying alone. I didn't want my parents to see. I didn't want anyone to see because I didn't want them to know that anything was wrong. Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Levesque. I'm here to bridge the gap for women in the outdoors, support families, and roll out your weekly dose of positive vibes. With almost two decades in the health and fitness world and an untamable passion for hunting in the outdoors, my mission is to help you move boldly in the direction of your dreams. Join us here weekly as we talk about fitness and mindset, accountability, as well as all things hunting and epic untold stories. In this episode of the Her Inspired Journey podcast, I am sitting down to talk with Maddie Andreessen out of Central Oregon. She's somebody that I followed for several years online, and I'm just always really captivated by her authenticity, um, the way that she shows up, and the way that she's just always herself living her best life is really inspiring to me. So it's fun. We talk about her and her fiance's uh, recent bear hunt which turned cougar hunt, and they took a pretty nice tom off of that experience. So we talk about that as we get going. We also talk about how she's learned to uncover some of her vulnerabilities that have helped her become a better partner in her relationships, closer with her parents, and just more well-rounded and working in her self-growth. I can definitely relate with her in this, and we talk a lot about Brene Brown. If you have not read some of Brene Brown's books, I highly recommend it for self-growth, specifically working in areas where you can reflect, have some introspection, work on things like vulnerability, uncovering some of your shame or past traumas, dealing with blame and not pushing blame towards other people, and really just working for self-growth. So she is an author that I always really connect to, and Maddie and I shared a lot about that in this episode as well. We talk about being a female in the outdoors as female hunters and what that stigma can sometimes bring. I think this is a really good episode that you will enjoy, and I encourage you to dive in We'd also love your feedback if you have things that you want to contribute to the show or topics that you want to hear covered or guests that you want to recommend. I am always more than happy to take those suggestions. I also want to take a second to say thank you to those who have been reaching out on social media and sharing the episodes with your followers, friends, and family. It really does mean so, so much to me when I hear the feedback from you guys. Just knowing that you connected with something, took inspiration or motivation out of an episode, and got to know a guest on a deeper level. If you wouldn't mind, I would love you to continue in sharing your favorite episodes or takeaways on social media. And if you could leave a review, it would honestly mean so, so much to me. I read them, I soak them up, and your words inspire me to keep showing up, to keep reaching out to these amazing guests who bring me so much inspiration as well. Now, let's get into today's episode. Wait, wait, wait. One more thing I almost forgot to mention. We are in the launch of the 10-week Hunter Prep Program. If you want to really solidify, work on your fitness, and up your game before hunting season 21 starts, I cannot encourage you enough to be a part of this program. It is outlined from every aspect. We work on pre-game 
defining your goals, outlining any upcoming hurdles you might face, anything that might get in the way of your success in showing up for yourself and reaching your goals. It also has the 10 week fitness program, which only requires a set of dumbbells and a hunting pack is definitely recommended for some of the movements that we will do later on in the program. This is a great way to work with a coach, get into the group accountability, show up for yourself and prepare yourself for what is going to be an incredible hunting season. We have all had those moments where we show up for a hunt, we find ourselves on the side of a mountain, trying to draw our bow from an awkward position, or trying to get our breath under control for a shot opportunity. This is your way to set yourself up for success in the pregame before season starts. Head over to the show notes right now. You can see the Hunter Prep program in there and you can click on that to get all of the details. We would love to have you in there with us and want nothing more than you to have a successful 21 hunting season. Okay, well, let's just roll right into this. I'm, ex- I'm excited to hear this story because I have not got to hear anything about this hunt other than just the preview that you guys just put on Instagram. So um, where are you guys shed hunting? We are bear hunting. Clark had a bear tag, a spring bear tag. Um, and he's also a guide for his family's outfitting company. So he had two bear hunters coming over from Pennsylvania. So we kind of did a weekend getaway bear hunt, also scout for bears for his hunters. Um, so we went over east. We live in Prineville and we went over east and we're scouting for bears and we really didn't see anything, honestly. We didn't see one bear. Not a lot of sign. We saw tons of elk, tons of deer. Um, I have a spring turkey tag, so we tried to get in on a couple turkeys. Um, and it was actually, it was a beautiful weekend. Saw tons of animals, but no bears. And so we were getting kind of discouraged and Clark was like, what the heck am I going to do with my bear hunters? We can't even find any bears. And so we had gone over Saturday morning and then scouted the whole day, didn't see anything. And then Sunday morning, uh, we decided to walk out at the end of this bridge and we get down there and we're, we're looking across it, I would say a canyon, but it was only like 600 yards across. And we're used to hunting, bear hunting in Hell's Canyon where you can see for miles and miles. And so that's kind of like what we are looking for is we want to get in a spot where we can glass the whole day and see movement. And well, we had a really hard time finding a spot like that, but this spot kind of gave us that advantage, but in on a smaller scale. And so we decided to sit down and Clark glasses across and he's like, there's a dead cow elk over there. I'm like, really? You don't see that very often. So sure enough, I pulled my binos and there's a dead cow elk across the, on the other hillside. And it hadn't been eaten. It looked really fresh was still, the whole thing was intact. Um, and you could see drag marks coming down the hill and it looked like it had been drugged like 30 yards down the hill. And we're like, oh gosh, it looks like a fresh cougar kill. And then some elk, some cow elk started trickling out on the top of the ridge. And so we're like, hmm, must be pretty fresh if the herd's still up on top of the ridge. And so we decided to hunker down at the base of this tree and just watch that hillside. And we're like, well, you know, maybe a bear will come out, maybe the cougar will come back, you know, we're just decided we'll sit here for a while and see what happens. And so Clark got on his rifle and got it all set up and we're just sitting there and not even 45 minutes later, I see this cat walking up the hill towards this dead elk. I'm like, Clark, there he is, there he is. And so Clark gets on his rifle and this big Tom just striding up this hill and makes it look so easy and he gets to the base of this tree right next to the dead elk and he just lays down and just hangs out for a few minutes starts scratching and 
he was like licking himself and literally just watching this elk lay there. And then I don't know if he was like making sure nothing else was there or whatever, but he hung out for about five minutes and then he came out and started eating on the front shoulder of the elk. And so I pull up my binos and I range him and he was at 560 yards. So Clark dials and gets on him and he shoots and the cat jumps straight up and then starts walking down the hill. And he's kind of like limping a little bit, but he was just walking. He didn't take off or anything. And I'm like, well, shoot, it looks like you hit him. But I was looking for blood. Couldn't see a hole in him. I'm like, well, he's walking, so you better shoot again. So he went out of sight from me. And then um, Clark's like, he's behind, he's behind that tree. Just range the tree. So I range the tree. He's at 480 yards. So he shoots again. And he, the cat was out of my sight at this point. But Clark said he tumbled him. And then he just took off down into the timber. And so at this point, we're stoked. We're like, oh, my God, what did we just see? Like, there's people that will go their whole lives without even seeing a cougar, let alone a cougar eat on an elk. And so we were super stoked. Clark felt really good about his shots. Um, so we hiked out, hiked back up to the truck, grabbed our packs, and then we decided to cross the canyon up probably a good 300, 400 yards, just so we weren't coming down on him in the bottom of this canyon. And so we cross the creek, get over to the other side, and we walk up on the elk, and we were expecting to see blood or, you know, some sort of sign that Clark had hit him. And there wasn't really any sign, um, but what was interesting is there was scratch marks all over the tree, and he had peed all over it and marked it, which was super interesting because... I mean, I guess they do that, but you don't, it's not very often that you actually see that. So that was pretty interesting. Um, so we didn't see any sign of blood and it was on like loose dirt and grass hills. So, I mean, you think even elk tracks are hard to track in that kind of terrain, let alone 150 pound cougar. And so we tried to like grid it out and find sign and, we weren't finding anything and I think Clark kind of expected to find him dead on the hillside because he was so confident in his shots. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, like any other animal, his momentum's already carrying him down. He's going to keep going into the bottom. He's going to want to die in cover. And I was like, I'm, I'm guessing he's down in the bottom, but it was pretty thick down in this creek bottom. And so we still, we gritted, the hillside trying to find any sign and this at this point it was probably it was about two hours later Clark had shot him originally around 10 a.m and it was about noon and I was getting hungry I don't necessarily do really well while I'm hungry so I was like you know I'm gonna sit down eat some lunch and Clark was still walking back and forth and I was like I just gotta eat some lunch so I sat down and then we kind of regrouped and we headed straight down towards the bottom and thankfully we found some blood. We found one tiny little drop of blood on this leaf and it, it looked like he had been dragging like his front end down because we could see a skid mark and then he had skid across this little leaf and got blood on it. And we're like, okay, well you hit him. And so we started piecing together little drag marks down this hill. It was not easy <laughs> to figure out which way he went. And so we got in the bottom and pretty soon I see hair in the sunlight on the other side of this big tree. And I'm like, oh God, there he is, there he is. And Clark just had his rifle and I had my SIG. So I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> kind of close quarters, not ideal for a rifle. And so I pulled my binos and I, have my binos on the hair that I can see one hand on my gun in case this thing comes after us and we're about 30 yards away at this point and so while I'm watching him Clark kind of circles around the tree just to get a better look at him and thankfully he was dead cold um but it's really it was really nerve-wracking um and so we walk up on him and at this point is about three hours after but both shots Clark sent through straight through him um, one straight through the center of him, the first one, and the second one 
down through his um, back through his heart. So both really good shots, but this cat just sucked it up and his hair took all the blood. So there was really no blood trail whatsoever. It was absolutely crazy. It's still to this day. I'm like, how I can't believe that happened. That's awesome. What a story. And like you said, originally, there are a lot of people that will spend lifetimes in the wilderness and never encounter something like this. So just coming across the fresh cow kill and then getting to see that cat come back to the kill and then how that all played out is pretty incredible. That's awesome. So what do you guys feel? Yeah, it was awesome. What do you guys feel like was like the uh, end all be all in this situation? Like what was the best part about this whole thing? Was it watching him? Was it getting him? What part of that process? I think the best part for me was watching him. Um, I mean, you hear about cats out there and especially in Oregon, it seems like we have this crazy overrun population of cougars, but I mean, do you do we ever really see them? Not very often. And so just watching him walk up this hillside in broad daylight and the fact that he took down a full grown cow yeah. was just beyond me and I mean they say that you can like feel it when you're out there like if you're being watched by a cat or followed and I've kind of felt that before but after seeing this thing up close and in action I'm like oh, it's a little freaky yeah absolutely. But, yeah, it was just really cool getting to see the whole process and especially seeing him just lay under the tree and watch the elk for a little bit it was just amazing so did you guys have like a phone scope set up on him or anything to where you did you get any of this footage of him just like out there in his element yes we did um so we have a video of him walking up to the cow and then we didn't have a we have pictures of the drag marks and the elk through the spotting scope um we don't have any like other footage of the shot or anything it was just so intense yeah moment. and so to try to get a video during For it sure. um but we do have some footage of it and then we have some video of us walking up on the cow and trying to find blood and then um of us i think we might have a video of us walking up on him as well if not we have pictures for sure Super cool. We'll definitely have to share some of those on the social platforms and then here with this video that we're doing as well. But super cool just to hear about that experience. And uh, I've only ever seen them typically when I'm driving, not when I'm hiking, knock on wood. That's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing, but um, it would be great to, if more hunters got opportunities like you guys did to be able to help manage some of that, you know, as far as the predation goes on a, our other species. But um, let's back up just a little bit and take a big view of you you are recently engaged to Clark and uh, I just want to hear more yeah. about your journey to where you are today yeah so I live in Pineville now Clark and I live in Pineville he's always lived here I am originally from Gaston Oregon which is near Forest Grove Oregon it's a small town um in the valley which is so funny because now that I moved over here, everyone calls it the Valley. And when I lived over there, I never referred to it as the Valley. Right. So yep. I used to live in the Valley. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, grew up in a hunting family. I grew up hunting with my dad, my brother. My mom is and always has been very supportive of our hunting. And she is probably the most excited one when we get elk because she loves having the elk meat. And, um, she wholeheartedly supports us. Just, I think she enjoys her alone time at home. Sure. But um, yeah, I've been hunting with my dad and brother since I was little. And it was kind of just like what we did. I never thought twice about it. It was just the way of life. I remember going over to Eastern Oregon hunting with my dad every year. And then um, when I could finally carry my own tag, it was always my brother and I that had like the same tag and we'd all, we'd hunt together. And so we have that sibling competitiveness <laughs> a little bit. Um, but it was always fun and I always really enjoyed it. And I don't think it was until I got into college that I really started like thinking about why I hunt and the conservation behind it and that there's 
more to it than just like the way of life. And, um, and so now I'd say that I'm, I have a little deeper thought in taunting. And so especially when it comes to this experience with the cougar, I'm very like grateful for that experience and just to, you know, a lot of people don't realize that these animals do eat so many cow and calves and deer fawns and, you know, really hurt our big game populations. And so I think that there's like a bigger meaning to it um, to me now. But um, other outside of hunting, I always grew up playing sports. I played basketball in college at William University and then went on to get my master's in business there. And now I work as a brand marketing specialist for Nosler. So you talked a little bit about um, how working in the outdoor industry um, kind of, especially as a female, can come with some sort of a uh, like forward reputation or forward thought from people in making assumptions about you. Talk a little bit about that and what you meant by that. Yeah, I think that I think that social media has played a huge role in this, especially in being a female hunter. I mean, the term like huntress and the fact that people don't just consider you to just be a hunter like anyone else out there in the woods. Um, But I've came across situations where people just assume that, you know, I hunt because Clark hunts or he's taught me everything or you know, and I'm like, uh, actually, I came into this relationship with all my skills, <laughs> you know, but I mean, <laughs> I just, I am very um, adamant that I can handle myself in the woods on my own. And like, I am capable of doing everything that any other hunter you come across in the woods can do. And so when when people make those assumptions, it, it's frustrating because they just assume that you're in some way lesser because you're a female in the hunting industry. And that's definitely not the case. I mean, especially at this day and age when more and more women than have ever been in the hunting industry are involved in hunting. It's, it's very, I don't know. It's, it's sometimes a hard topic and not everyone mm-hmm. will always think or treat you the same as everyone else or any other man out there. But um, I'm very proud that I, I have my own skills and I can do everything that anyone else does out there. No, I think that's really important. And I really do feel like women in general in the outdoor space have a lot more assumption put on them about things. Um, And I was just actually talking about this at dinner the other night Um, somebody had, I I see it often, it's not anything new, but every once in a while I'll see these little group chats or forums where people are picking apart um, the the term huntress or the the person behind huntress, you know, to whatever that means to somebody and talking and and they had said specifically, you know, if I had boobs and if I had long hair and if I took certain pictures, I would be known as the world's best hunter or people would come to me for X, Y, and Z. And it was coming from a male and in all honesty a part of me like doesn't really care and then the other like polar opposite side of me takes offense to that because men don't typically get put into that category like there are douchebags of all sorts in all different genres of life but in general men don't get put into a specific category like women do in the outdoors and then on the other side of that you have this conversation about people being legitimized if they've killed a certain age class of something, if they're a female, if they have, you know, gone here or gone there or whatever. And it's it's just not something we typically see happening to men in the space. Um, is that something that you can like relate to? Is that something you've come across? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that I don't necessarily receive the brunt of of it as I see other girls do on social media. Um, I mean, no, no one really like comes at me about being a female in the industry. Um, I always tell people I was raised like 
the exact same as my brother <laughs> because we were like, my dad didn't raise us any different. He, he didn't raise me to be a girl. He raised us the same. And um, so I grew up being like that tomboy that did everything else. And so I didn't really realize that that was any different until in high school when I started realizing that, okay, not every other girl hunts. And yeah. so it was cool. And it was kind of a, something that not everyone did, but there's still, there's still those people that are always going to come at you and say that you have special privileges because you're female or I don't know. I just, I have personally never been about, I mean, everyone wants to shoot the biggest animal. I totally get that. And I would say that I'm in, in that as well. I would love to shoot big animals, but with that comes the conservation aspect behind shooting the mature animals like Mm -hmm. you're and they can no longer breed or they're no longer passing on good genetics or you know um so there's some conservation behind shooting the biggest animal that you can um but I don't think that that should make you any more any less of a hunter um it, it has to do with experience I would say like yeah the more opportunities or the more animals you take the more experience um but I'm just as proud of my spike elk as I am as a branch bull elk like you know it's just for me it's the experiences and the stories that come behind it and not necessarily how big they are and so I just think that you know, you're going to get criticized for no matter what you do out there. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's inevitable. Yeah. And especially women in the hunting industry. And I would say that there are women out there that do take the photos in their bikini or, you know, display maybe not the most um, honorable photos with their animals. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's their preference. And, you know, at at the end of the day, if they're purchasing a tag, they're contributing to conservation and yeah. I feel for it though, on a different level, I feel like it's not the people necessarily, the people who are quote unquote in the industry to each their own. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we can all just do our own thing for our own reasons, connected to our own goals and our own drive. What really bothers me in this kind of conversation and in this like pitfalling of stereotyping women hunters is that you have women who have not been brought up with a dad or a boyfriend or a husband who have taught them these things and they're curious. They want to be a part of it. They don't know anything right now. And there is such a stigma behind it that I think there's some apprehension same thing like going into an archery shop you know that's why I try to do some of these classes because if you are a newbie at anything doesn't matter what it is it's hard to take the first steps to ask the questions to get the knowledge to implement those skills um so I guess I I feel like sometimes I take it a little bit more personally because I think that we can all as being in the industry help paint a better picture help you know, give resources, information and empower other women to go like, I don't know what I'm doing. And that's okay. I can walk into this and, you know, and do it my way and figure it out. And I don't have to be intimidated. So what would you say as encouragement to um, a lady who is really wanting to pick up a rifle or really wanting to pick up a bow or just generally interested in becoming a hunter, learning about conservation? Like, where would you point that girl? I would say reach out to any like any of us on Instagram we might look intimidating (laughs) and I think the hunting industry in general um is kind of an intimidating group to get involved with if you're quote-unquote an outsider or someone that's new but um I think that we're all very willing to help and provide resources and I would say start at your local range or your local bow shop. I mean, people are so willing to help and 
I think that there's still a little competitiveness between women in the industry, which is so weird to me. Um, but there are the women out there that want other women to join and want other yes. women in the industry to get involved. Um, so I think like there's a ladies hunting camp um, out of Lapine over here. And I know you put on tons of stuff with um, the bow shop and G4 and just getting involved in those, I would say is the best bet because those women that show up to that, I mean, that's, that's the group that you want to be a part of. Those are the ones that are friendly, that want you involved, that are willing to help you no matter what you need. Um, and you're there to learn together. And I think that that is such a great opportunity. And that is something that I want to get more involved in too, because I think that I am not necessarily doing my part as an experienced hunter in the industry, a uh, female hunter. Um, and I could be more sharing educational um, experiences and resources and getting together with other females. Cause I've always hunted with men, you know, my dad, my brother, my fiance now, and it's just what I've always done. And I would really like to have those female, you know, counterparts that I can go and hunt with and go shed hunt with or share in those experiences. Because I mean, Clark goes and hunts with his buddies and I'm like, who the heck am I supposed to go with? <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's it's really cool because I share a very similar like origin to hunting story that you do where growing up and I've talked about this before, so I'll make it short. But growing up, like I would miss school and I was like the only girl and all the guys, you know, but I never really thought about it until I was like later on in high school. And then I was like, why am I the only chick that like misses school to go hunt, you know, over East? Yeah. And then, then I met one other girl who um, was in the same boat. She was an elk hunter and I had only been hunting deer at the time. So she had killed a nice bull that year. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like tell me the story. And I just remember like, it's like, did we just become best friends? You know, <laughs> like seeing somebody else that shared that with you. And now as an adult, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about social media is that it can connect like-minded people who share the same passions and want to link up and do things together. So um, having that like foundational group of people who are just like you, you know, is a really good thing. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, I love your, your kind of introspection to say, well, maybe I should do something a little bit, you know, more inclusive or more educational for people, because I do think that you're a great resource and, no doubt people want to learn from people who have that experience and can do it on a relatable level. Yeah, definitely. Usually you hear me talking about Sawyer and really praising its benefits for keeping ticks away, also helping repel mosquitoes and biting flies, which are terrible. They also have a wonderful water filtration system they offer. Um, a, a portable that you can throw into your backpack. They also have a gravity bag and tons of different options. They even have a tap filter depending on what your needs are. So head over to Sawyer.com, see what they have as far as getting you set up. That way you always have access to clean water in the field, at home or camping. Head over to Sawyer.com and check it out. Have you seen the new RF1 5 to 4500 rangefinder from Maven Optics? I'm stoked to add this to my bino harness this year. With five reticle options, five illumination levels, angle compensation, and crystal clear glass, this is a serious upgrade. Switch from field mode to the forced function for those dense areas with obstructions and debris. With pinpoint accuracy, the RF1 is truly a no-brainer go-to for bow hunters, rifle hunters, and long-range shooters. Stop by mavenbuilt.com to grab one for yourself and take advantage of the free gift with purchase when you use the code HERINSPIRED-GIFT. 
so kind of moving a different direction, um, this is a question that I really want to cover because your answer, I think, is is so great. But um, in the questionnaire that I sent you and just trying to get to know you a little bit better, I said, what do you wish you could go back and tell your younger self? Can we unpack that a little bit? Yes. Was this the one that I responded with vulnerability? Yes, it is. Yep. Okay. So I saw your post about this recently. And yeah, this is something that I I have learned recently and have been trying to bring into my life more. Um, but like I said, growing up was raised just like my brother. And I felt like I always had to be the strong one in my family. Like I didn't want people to see when I cried. Like I didn't want to see anyone like see me weak or hurt or bothered. Like I felt like I always had to be that strong person, whether it was on my sports teams, in my family. Um, I just, I just wanted myself to be portrayed as that strong, confident girl, never saw, never had anyone see her cry, nothing like that. So that's what I did. And I mean, and people always thought that I was strong and confident. And I would definitely say that I, I was strong and confident, but I also would hide my emotions and not let people in because I didn't want to get hurt or I didn't want them to see my true feelings or I didn't want them to see that what they said or what they did really bothered me. And so when I was younger, if I ever cried, I always found myself crying alone. And I didn't, I didn't want my parents to see, I didn't want anyone to see because I didn't want them to know that anything was wrong. Mm-hmm. And so as I got older and throughout college and through different relationships, I kind of unpacked this and I actually started reading books by Brene Brown. Oh, she's amazing. Yes. She's the best. I seriously love her, which is what got me started on this topic. And I was like, oh my gosh, Maddie, you've been so hard for so long and now it's really starting to affect you. Yes. And so I've read several of her her books and I absolutely love them and it's like life-changing I even like will send them to my mom after I read them and I'm like that you have to read this one it is it will change your life and change your perspective on how you see things um but yeah vulnerability is I don't any longer see it as being weak um and I can say that my relationships have gotten so much better my relationships with my parents my relationship with my fiance I'm so thankful that I I started this process with myself before I met Clark, which let me come into our relationship really, I would say, um, open and like ready to love and ready to, you know, take the blame for some things because I'd say previously it was like my way or the highway. I could do no wrong. Like, you know, I was never going to let any breakup bother me. Like, you know, there's more people out there, whatever, but I've just had a complete change of perspective, um, since really bringing vulnerability into my life. And, um, and even if, you know, other people don't express that as well, I know that my words to them or my actions to them were true. And I feel good about that, you know, um, even if someone else can't lean into that vulnerability and, you know, appreciate your words or make gestures back, you know, that what you did was good hearted. And so that, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And I feel so much more happy with myself and happy in life and relationships. And yeah. That's awesome. No, the power of vulnerability is one of Brene's books and it's amazing. And I too have read everything that she's ever written. I just find so much hope and inspiration from her, but um, there is a certain level of digging in and unpacking that has to happen when you're talking about vulnerability. We've covered up a lot of areas of our life that have been bad experiences um, or maybe not terrible experiences, but things that we have reserved like you, you know, holding in your emotion and stuff. Mm -hmm. I'd be interested to hear because I've gone through some of this too and share only obviously what you feel comfortable with doing publicly, but 
what are some of the ways where you might be feeling this opportunity to put up some walls? How are you able to like step back and go, okay, this is a pattern. I'm trying to put up walls right now and be tough. These are the things I need to do next in order to not put up that resistance. Yeah. So a big one for me um, that kind of had to do with this also was being flexible in my schedule. So I'm very, very, I have to do this at this time because that's when I told myself I was going to do it. And um, if I didn't do that, I was like a disaster. I was not a happy person with like guilt trip people. Like (laughs) you didn't follow my plan. So now you have to deal with it. Um, But now I would say that I, my first instinct is still to be like, Oh my gosh, not on my plan. What, what, what do I do? You know? Um, but Clark is very like fly by the seat of his pants, kind of go with the flow. And so our plans are constantly changing. And so one thing that I've done, um, is, you know, I've realized that I can move things around or I can prioritize differently. And I really, leaning into this has made me realize that other people have different priorities than me and that you have to work through those. So I've just, it's kind of just the whole process, but thinking about vulnerability, I just, now that's like not second nature by any means, not yet, (laughs) hopefully someday. Um, but I catch myself now and I'm like, okay, how would this make someone else feel? Or, you know, if our plans change and I make him feel guilty then what does that do to our relationship? Or, you know, I'm, I'm starting to just be more forward thinking of it and think about that. Not the first thing, but it is there. And so just the fact that that's a thought in my mind, makes me change the way that I act towards others or the way that I respond. Um, and also in asking for help. So like, I've always been someone that doesn't like to ask for help, doesn't like to receive help. And now I've been more accepting of that. And when people offer, I, you know, let them help me in some way. And, um, yeah, I just, it's not the first thing that comes to mind, but it's there enough to make me realize, okay, wait, let me rethink this. Well, and that's the beauty of growth and life. We get a lot of opportunities to practice the things that we're not so good at. Um, so that I think yeah. is a really good thing. And, you know, asking for help is somebody that's coming, you know, from a very tough exterior perspective. That's how you grew up. That's how I grew up. Asking for help is is was like this reaction to I can't do it on my own kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I've had that same problem Um, In fact, my boyfriend the other day, I'm realizing that he's a lot that same way. And, you know, because initially somebody asked me, you know, hey, let me do that for you. Or, hey, I got that. It's like my knee jerk reaction is always, no, I got it. It's fine. In my head, I'm like, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, your help would be great. That'd be awesome. If you don't help me, I might resent you. Right. But at the same time, that exterior, that hard shell is going, no, I got this on my own. And it's funny because I caught him the other day. So he's always like, you can have help. It's okay. Like, it's all right. So I'm learning to take down those walls as well. And the other day I was helping him unload his hunting stuff out of the rig. And I was like, hey, I got, or I'll, I'll load this up. And he's like, no, I got it. And I was, it was already in my hands. I was already holding it. And I stopped and I looked at him and I said, babe, are you also like really, like really not great at accepting help? And he's like, maybe. (laughs) So we're working on that together. (laughs) But it can be hard because those things are, you know, they're, they have been repeated patterns. It's just like muscle memory. You know, the more you have a certain personality trait or a certain go-to knee-jerk reaction, the more that's going to be just your, your natural response to things. So yeah, I would say my one of like my biggest things in our relationship now is like I'm always like, you know, we're here for the long term. We're both in this relationship for the same purpose. And so are my actions right now leading me closer to that purpose of like lifelong love and partnership or are they like dragging me backwards? Sure. And so 
And like, when I first thought of that, that was like the light switch. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. We work together for the main goal of like being together for life and loving each other. And so that's always a thought in my head too. It's like, okay, is this leading us closer together or is it, you know, breaking us apart? So that's another one. Um, and then another one with vulnerability that I think more people are discussing these days is um, not letting bad situations or um, infectious people have a space in your life. Um, and so I tend to really overcommit myself and have in the past. And one thing with being vulnerable is also being real with my happiness and like what I actually want to commit to and not committing to something because someone else wants me to do it or committing to it for an outside reason, but really deciding whether I want to commit because it makes me really happy. And if it doesn't, then I'm like, you know what? Thank you for the opportunity, but I'm going to pass this time or so kind of just making those big decisions that aren't always easy to make. It does seem like the older I get to, I have that same uh, outlook on things. And it's almost like a challenge to myself because, you know, you hear mentors, life coaches, people talk about it all the time. Like if you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And it's really true. And I try to really relate that and ingrain that in my um how I look at my family time. So if I'm saying yes to a work, client, podcast, anything, you know, you're saying no to dinner or playing basketball or, you know, it can be related to anything. But I think you're right on with that. It's really important to allow room for big yeses instead of like, mm, yeah, sures, because those yeah, sures are probably not going to make you very happy. Yeah, the one that I still kind of have a little regret on this one, but I was supposed to help with the ladies hunting camp and it's coming up the first week of June and I got kind of late notice of it and involved um, later on in the planning process and I committed to it. And then as time got closer with just like planning our wedding and everything, <clears throat> I was it, I was getting really stressed out. And it was like a daily thought in my head. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, I have that ladies hunting camp and it's really stressing me out. And it was something that I really, really wanted to do and really wanted to be involved in. But just with everything we have going, I felt like I didn't have, maybe I had the time, but I didn't have the mental capacity to do that right now. And so I ended up... Um, emailing the lady and saying, you know what? It's not for me this year. I'm so grateful for the opportunity, but I'm going to pass this year and let's, let's get started on a partnership for next year where I can promote it on social media and I can be more involved rather than having it more of a last minute thing. Um, so that was a hard conversation to have, especially after already committing, but she was super understanding, which I'm really grateful for. Um, and I'm really glad that I, was able to do that yeah um because previously I probably would have just gone and been stressed out and you know I would have made it through and I'm sure I would have had a great time but now I'm just looking more at my mental health and making more educated decisions based on that yeah no I think that's really good and it's good food for thought for everybody else you know to just invest in the things that will fill your cup instead of put more holes in it, you know, because there are a lot of things in current times that are pulling from us. And I think if you're not actively seeking things that are going to replenish and refill, refuel you, then it's going to be really hard at the end of the day, week, month to feel excited about anything and probably feeling more stress, overwhelmed and all of those things. So I think that's awesome. Good encouragement for those listening in too. Yeah, definitely. So talk about wedding plans. What do you guys have it all lined out? You guys getting married this year? What's the deal with that? We are getting married this year. We decided to get married in September, which also happens to be archery season. (laughs) So, which is fine for us. We'll be spending our honeymoons archery hunting, you know, for years. Um, But Clark's birthday is in August and mine's in October. And he also guides uh, deer hunters in October. So, 
we're like, you know what, let's just do it in September. Um, so it's coming quick. We just had engagement photos this last weekend and I 100% thought I was going to be, you know, on top of the wedding planning game, like have it all ready to go. And turns out I'm not that person. So, um, <laughs> we're kind of behind, I would say. Um, but I had a call with our coordinator earlier and I'm so glad I decided to get a coordinator because I'm the person that would be freaking out about where everyone is at on wedding day. So I don't want to be that person and I don't want anyone in my family to have to be that person. So we'll be working with her. And uh, yeah, so plans are underway. (laughs) Um, But yeah, September, it'll all come together. I'm not too worried about it. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, congratulations again on the engagement. Super exciting. Can't wait to see your pictures. I'm sure they're amazing. Um, What else do you have coming up? Anything exciting? Did you guys draw any tags that you know of yet? Nothing too exciting. I had um, 11 deer points. So there's potential for drawing a good unit there. Um, But I decided to hold off on antelope this year just because of the wedding and everything. Um, so most of what I'm going to be doing is general season. Um, yeah, so nothing too out of the norm. Cool. But awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Maddie Andreessen, thank you so much for coming on. (laughs) If people want to reach out and connect with you online, where should they find you? They can find me at Maddie Andreessen on Instagram. That's probably the best way to reach me. Cool. Awesome. Well, we're going to have to do this again when we can talk a little bit more hunting stories and dive into all of that, some of your favorite experiences. Um, But thank you again so much for coming on and sharing that epic story with us. Yeah, thank you. Once again, thank you for tuning into the show. We hope that your cup is full and you're ready to embrace your untamable vibe. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a favor? Help us grow our audience by sharing your favorite episode on social media, sending the episode to a friend, and leaving us a review online. We love to hear from you. One more thing, be sure to press that subscribe button and never miss a weekly episode. See you next week.